The Veterans Report is sponsored by James Cannon. In my line of work, you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again for the truth to sink in, to kind of catapult the propaganda. Seven years of college down the drain. I'm sorry, but all questions must be submitted in writing. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Welcome to the Veterans Report, the region's only show dedicated to those who have served our country. We have the latest news and information on resources available to veterans, including health care, education, employment tips, local volunteer organizations, and more. To those who have served, those who are serving, and to those who will, we salute you. And now, the host of the Veterans Report, Jim Cannon. And welcome back to the Veterans Report. Thanks for joining us today and tuning in. Uh, we've got some news headlines today. We've got a guest at the halfway mark. We're going to be speaking with Premier Body Armor out of North Carolina. Uh, it's getting to be Christmas season, so maybe you have something on your list for that person you love and want to protect. Because there's nothing better than looking under the tree and seeing some body armor waiting for you with your name on it. Uh, we also, <laughs> so we have, so hang in there. Hang in there until the halfway mark. We're going to speak, be speaking with Premier Body Armor. Um, so you can Google them between now and then and, and look at some of their products and follow along. We are also, where am I here? Um, I will let you know who's going to be on next week after, after we speak with our guests. Uh, news and headlines. We're talking about um, delays in the GI Bill. There is a, a lawsuit that was allowed to go ahead, uh, move forward for mentally ill veterans which is kind of interesting, and a story about how meditation is helping vets with PTSD. Oh, and we also have a new ambassador to Saudi Arabia, former four-star General John Abizade. So we'll get to that in a minute. We do want to let you know if you are, uh, if, if you want to catch the show at a later time, if you, you know, if you hear a couple of minutes and you want to catch the entire episode, uh, the <clears throat> the shows are housed on our website at theveteransreport.com. That's one word, theveteransreport.com. Dot com. Uh, they are also available on Google Play, Stitcher, and iTunes. You just search. Uh, we want to say hello to our good friends and partners at WTF Nation Radio. So anybody listening, go to WTF Nation and check out their programming, their shows. They have a fantastic guest tonight. Uh, they're going to have, you, you may have heard of him, uh, Ken Shamrock, MMA legend, and uh, all-around tough guy. So... Check out that show. Starts at 8 o'clock p.m. Uh, Ken Shamrock. So, But again, uh, WTF Nation Radio, awesome people, and we can't thank them enough for everything they've done for the Veterans Report in terms of, uh, you know, s- helping us spread our wings, so to speak. So thank you all. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, if you have a note you want to send us, you have a comment, you have a question, you want some more information, send an email to editor at theveteransreport.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So with all of that out of the way, all of that. Oh, and I do want to say in a couple of weeks in, what is today? 17th? Let me do the math here. In two weeks. In two weeks, we are going to announce a new sponsor. So stay tuned for that. 
It's a big name. Uh, I'm stoked about it. I think it's awesome, and it's going to be kind of cool. So two weeks from now, we'll be announcing. So there's your teaser. So uh, I don't know if you heard about this. <clears throat> a bunch of uh, a bunch of that was Starbursts, by the way. It's leftover Halloween candy. You know how you get that that weird sugar thing going on. I have a whole bag full of that stuff. My mother <laughs> insisted. She said, "Here, take the leftovers. Take the leftover candy." And I was like, "All right." So I've been nibbling on it here and there, not even thinking. Hey, you know, if you're gonna eat something like that, maybe eat it bef- after you go on the radio. But. So a bunch of students, thousands, actually, thousands of student veterans. Actually, shouldn't it be student veterans? I guess that's correct. I was going to say veteran students, but it's student veterans. That's correct. Thousands have still not received education and housing payments from the U.S. government due to a series of glitches plaguing the Department of Veterans Affairs Information and Technology System. The errors, which were brought to the attention of VA officials as early as April, continue to affect more than 10,000 veterans who have gone more than 30 days without receiving their monthly stipends under the GI Bill, which are used by many to pay rent and other bills. Problems first arose after the VA started to implement the Forever GI Bill, a measure passed by Congress and signed into law by President Donald Trump in 2017 to, quote, enhance or expand education benefits for veterans, service members, families and survivors well so you're thinking okay what's what technical glitch right the legislation did not address the va's antiquated it system used to account for those changes and the department's failure to implement changes to that system has resulted in a cascading series of errors affecting the distribution of housing allowances to veteran students and the va is still working to catch up with the backlog of claims, which stands at nearly 73,000. They said that, uh, VA said that most of the pending claims are less than 30 days old. They did acknowledge that more than 1,000 vets have waited over 60 days for their GI Bill payments. Think that one through. I I will tell you, um, you you know, a a delay... uh, I'm just going to go to my personal experience, right, with using the GI Bill. This is years ago. If those payments had been more than 30 days late, uh, we would have been in a hurt locker because it was, uh, I mean, it was bare bones. It was it was tough getting by, you know, working and going to school uh, and paying bills and doing the family thing, um, you know, paying rent, buying food, making car payments, that whole deal. It, it was tough, man. It was really tight. And it was tight with the GI Bill payments. I couldn't imagine one of those things being one or two months late. I mean, you know, these days everything is automated, right? So if you if you're going to pay your tuition and you're whatever, if it's on a 26-day cycle and you hit day 27, that thing's going to automatically kick it out, right? It's going to automatically ding you for that because it's automated. You're not dealing with people, you're not dealing with face-to-face who you know where you can explain it to them. We can say, look, uh, not my bad. It's on the government, right? The, the automated system doesn't care. And that's true with tuition. That's true with you know uh, automatic payments that are uh, you know the 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 e payments or whatever you call them, um, automatic deductions. I mean, that's that's tough. So, of course, that does send home the message that if you're going to do this, if you're going to go to college, uh, and 
takes take on an expense like full-time schooling you have to learn to budget ahead of time you you cannot live uh like you're some boot recruit right you know paycheck to paycheck uh dropping all your money on going to the bar every other week you have to budget you have to be an adult about it and so it's not that i, I you know I, I guess my point is i do empathize with a lot of these folks i really do um because I, you know, I was there, but that was twenty some years ago. I would advise all of these people if they were applying for school, budget right, set some money aside. Don't don't jump into this uh, right away. If you don't have if you don't have enough living expenses, right, uh, you know, think it through. Just think it through. So, but it still stinks, right? It still stinks to live through it. So you know, you know, people are getting booted out of their classes too, right? I mean, it's you know, and it screws up everything. It just screws up everything. But oh, VA, someday, someday, VA. Now, related to that, there was a story uh, directly related to that, actually. So the House, um, the U.S. House, has been taking testimony on this whole thing, right? Basically, grilling the VA and saying, "What is going on?" Because they're getting calls. They're getting hundreds of calls about this, right? They don't want that. So what do they do when they start getting nasty grams? They drag people up to a, a table and say, tell us what's going on. Well, a House committee uh, heard testimony from the Department of Veterans Affairs over delayed GI Bill payments, potentially affecting hundreds of thousands of veterans. Uh, da, 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 da. On Wednesday, one of the key witnesses called to testify from VA was, check this out, was reassigned by the federal agency to a regional office in Houston. Robert Worley, Executive Director of Education Service of the Veterans Benefits Administration, the VBA, based in Washington, has been appointed to serve as the Executive Director of the VBA's Houston Regional Office, according to two sources close to the VA and an email reviewed by NBC News. Molly Jenkins, a spokeswoman for Republicans on the House Veterans Affairs Committee, confirmed that Worley would be departing his position to lead the VBA office in Houston. Higher-ups, now you're wondering why. Here's why. Higher-ups at VA decided to reassign Worley due to the delayed GI Bill payments, as well as other issues within his office. Worley was told... (laughs) Oh, here we go. Worley was told that he could choose which of VBA's 52 regional offices he would lead, but that he had to leave his current position. Man. And he picked Houston? He went from D.C. to Houston? Dude. Uh-uh. Ugh. That's awful. But anyway, so this guy's getting dinged for it. Um, you know, it's... it's uh, <laughs> hey, you have to walk the plank. It just, you know, you get to pick which side of the ship you walk, right? Oh, man. Uh, Worley had been in his current position, the one in Washington, as the director of education service since March of 2012. Prior to coming to VBA, Worley retired from the Air Force as a major general. Patrick Murray, Deputy Director of the Veterans of Foreign Wars, said that he did not know of Worley's upcoming departure, but the VFW had a good working relationship with him. They could easily call him about problems they were seeing. 
So you had such a good relationship, but you didn't know this guy was jetting? I don't know, man. Uh, so, yeah, so VA has an old computer system that is delaying payments. So if you're a student out there, hang, hang tough, uh, see if you can get a short-term loan or something, or ask family and friends, go sell blood, go bartend, do something. You're going to have to hustle for your cash. And that is, <clears throat> that's not where you want to be. Here's another story. This is the story I alluded to at the opening. A, uh, a class action lawsuit by some mentally ill veterans is, uh, you know, a federal judge ruled that it can, it can move forward. A federal judge in Connecticut has ruled that thousands of Navy and Marine Corps vets of Iraq and Afghanistan who developed post-traumatic stress disorder but were denied Veterans Affairs benefits can sue the military. Interesting. Senior U.S. District Judge Charles Haight certified a class action lawsuit against Navy Secretary Richard Spencer by veterans who say they were given less than honorable discharges for minor infractions linked to untreated mental health problems. The discharge designation prevents them from getting VA health benefits. Yale Law School students are representing the vets and have filed a similar lawsuit against the Army. Now, so you, you hear this and you say, okay, what's the big deal, right? Class action lawsuit. That's cool, right? Untreated mental health problems as a result of military service. Therefore, they're denied VA health benefits. Therefore, they're suing. Why is that a big deal? Um, if you're, if, look, if, if you are up on federal law, um, and I am incorrect, feel free to ding me, but I was under the assumption that you cannot sue, uh, you cannot sue the military for stuff like this. Matter of fact, you can't sue the military, right? This is related to a conversation I had with somebody this week about a thing called the Ferris Doctrine, F-E-R-E-S, F-E-R-E-S, the Ferris Doctrine, which is a rule that was instituted in, I believe it was 1950, uh, instituted for the sole purpose of preventing some military members from suing the government because of health issues related to dealing with radioactive material. I'm sorry, not doctrine, act, yes. Act, rule, law. Um, and so it prevents you from suing the military uh, based on uh, stuff like this. Now, the way the law is written, the way it's written, if you read the actual words of the, of the act, uh, which I do not have in front of me, I do have a printed copy floating around somewhere, it is written, it is designated, um, designated, uh, confined, I, I, I should say, confined or constrained to uh, combat, right? In a combat zone or a combat action, a combat environment. In other words, uh, if, you, if you're, you know, you're kicking indoors and the bad guys, uh, you know, hit you with a grenade and you lose a limb, you can't sue the government for that. You can't sue the military for that. That's, it was written for the purposes uh, to, to a, I mean, really, the basis for it was medical treatment out in combat situations, right? They didn't want people saying, well, you know, this corpsman was, I don't know, this corpsman did a, a, attempted a tracheotomy on my kid, uh, and it didn't work. So now I'm going to sue, right? Um, and it, it was designed for field medicine, really, out in a field environment. 
However, since 1950, the government, i.e. the military, has used this, uh, they've used the language of that act to basically prevent people from suing them. Um, now, now, again, and there have been multiple cases where Supreme Court justices have looked at this thing and said, look, we have to interpret the law as it's written. Um, we have to interpret the law, right, the, under the federal, uh, uh, what the hell is it, uh, Federal Tort Claims Act, right? We have to interpret that, but justice after justice after justice, uh, circuit judge after circuit judge, they've all said that this law is horrible and it needs to change. Now, as we all know, or as we should know, judges don't make law. They interpret it, right? They make rulings on the words in front of them. But all of these judges have basically said this law is awful. And I'm, I'm, I'm walking through this because this is, gonna, this is leading to, a, uh, um, to next week's guest. Uh, I'm teeing up next week's guest. But uh, this, this act, the way it's written, is... Um, in other words, something that happens to you as a civilian where you would be able, it would be uh, an easy one, right? It would be an easy one to call an attorney and say, hey, here's the deal. This happened, then this happened. And the attorney would turn around. They would call either the, the hospital or the employer or whatever the case is, walk through it, sit with their attorney, and in about 12 hours, walk out with an agreement, right? A day later, it would, you know, the company would say, okay, this is a no-brainer. You don't have that same right if you are on active duty. So the fact that they are letting this now these are these are veterans that did this, they're not active duty. So I don't know if this is going to impact uh, or have any influence on the existing um, on on the Ferris Act, because again the Ferris Act applies to active duty. So if these are vets, they're not on active duty. I, I don't know how that's going to work. Again, I, I'd have to uh, I'd have to get more into the legal nuance on that and how it's going to influence. Um, other lawsuits, but the fact that a, a federal judge is allowing a suit to go through where people are suing for something that happened while on active duty, I mean, that is going to open a door. That's a pathway, right, to hopefully, you know, uh, changing or, or altering this, this Ferris Act. And got some information here from ICE at WTF Nation. Uh, it also bars families of service members from filing wrongful death or loss of consortium actions when a service member is killed or injured. The bar does not extend to killed or injured family members, so a spouse or a child may still sue the United States for tort claims, nor does it bar service members from either filing in loco parentis on their child's behalf or filing for wrongful death or loss of consortium as a companion claim to a spouse or child's suit. So any of you legal geeks out there, get all that. Um, there's a lot more to it, uh, but that's that's the gist of it, right? Ferris versus U.S., 1950. That was the case. So that's the basis for it. Um, <clears throat> so again, you know, uh, allowing a case like this to go through when uh, service members incurred whatever it is they incurred while on active duty. That's a big deal. So we're going to be watching this one. Which also brings to mind, uh, I haven't talked about it in a while. 
<laughs> yes. That's yes, they're interchangeable. They're like Legos, act and doctrine. Um <clears throat> doctrine makes you sound smarter though. That's a bigger word. Makes it more legalese. Uh <laughs> but yeah, I get it. Um where was it? Oh, so I haven't talked about it in a while, but the uh, the burn pit suit is, it's not dead yet. I just want to let you know, it's not dead yet. Uh, I had mentioned uh, speaking with, um, come on, Susan Burke. Who, Susan Burke, who was the attorney handling the burn pit case in federal court. Uh, and I know that a, an appeals court shot him down in June, but it is not dead yet. That case is still it's still got life in it. So we will, uh, and I actually hit up Susan this week to get an update. And so uh, we will have more news in the coming months. These things don't happen quickly when you get to that level. I mean, they don't happen quickly at the local level, but they certainly don't happen quickly at the federal level. So we will provide you an update when we are allowed to, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, Susan said that things are going on, uh, We'll get you an update. We can't. There's there's nothing to tell right now, but it is it is still alive, and I've noticed a lot more media interest in that as of late as well, uh, which is which is good, right? Now, if that one, if that lawsuit is allowed to move forward and somehow some way gets a favorable ruling, then any case under this Ferris Act. Let me sound smart. The Ferris Doctrine. Uh, any case under that will probably be on the docket. They'll they'll let that they'll let those cases proceed. So it's going to be, it'll be an interesting uh, cascade effect, I guess, if I can use the, the the corporate buzzword. So stay tuned for that. And again, if you're if you're like a legal nerd and you like to follow stuff like this, there's a lot of material out there. You know, jump on and start researching this. I looked into this Ferris doctrine this week um, <clears throat> for a lot of reasons, but. There's a lot to it, and just in recent years, it'll break your heart um, looking at some of these cases, but I, I would encourage everybody, just go research it. Just go look into it. It'll drive you nuts. So there was a story that came out in, of all papers, the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, our hometown, one of our hometown newspapers here. Meditation helps veterans with PTSD. Meditation worked as well as traditional therapy for military veterans with PTSD in a small experiment sponsored by the DOD. One method preferred by the Department of Veterans Affairs is exposure therapy, but it doesn't work for everyone and many can't handle what it requires. Purposely recalling traumatic events and confronting emotions. Meditation could be a better choice for some said the researchers. The experiment tested meditation against exposure therapy, which involves working with a therapist and gradually letting go of fears triggered by painful memories. The study was published in the journal Lancet, Lancet Psychiatry. Lancet. Interesting. About 400,000 vets had a PTSD diagnosis in 2013, according to the VA health system. The VA already is using meditation, yoga, and similar approaches to supplement traditional therapy with PTSD, said Paula Schnoor, executive director of the VA's National Center for PTSD. 
While the three-month study adds to evidence supporting these lifestyle practices, more research is needed to learn how long meditation's benefits last. There's no follow-up in this study, Sure noted. And one therapist did 80% of the exposure therapy, so the findings hinge largely on one therapist's skills. Uh, so they measured symptoms in 200 vets in San Diego, randomly assigned to one of three groups. Some learned to meditate, others got exposure therapy. The third group attended classes where they learned about nutrition and exercise. And it goes on and on and on. So again, uh, Trib Live is the website if you want to read up on that story. You know, we've talked a lot about alternative therapies, uh, everything from, you know, meditation to surfing to, to fishing to horseback riding to, to doing poetry to music to art. I mean, you, you name it, and we've talked about it. So, hey, if it's going to work, it's going to work, right? You know, what works for one person doesn't work for everybody. So it's interesting to see another take on this. Uh, and real quick, I mentioned this at the top. We have a new ambassador to Saudi Arabia. Trump administration has nominated John Abizade, the former head of U.S. Central Command, to be ambassador to Saudi Arabia. The nomination comes amid increased tension between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia. Uh, that has to do with the uh, Khashoggi murder. Uh, Abizade attended West Point and rose from an infantry platoon commander to a four-star general during his military career. Interesting background on this guy. Abizade is actually Lebanese, and he speaks fluent Arabic, has a master's degree from Harvard in Middle Eastern Area Studies. So that is going to be interesting. Now, they, they're predicting that he is going to clash with Trump insider and son-in-law Jared Kushner because Kushner somehow thinks he's an expert in geopolitics, whereas Abizade actually is. So that's... Uh, <laughs> Wait for the sparks to fly. That will be interesting. But I, I remember Abizade well, a uh, really bright guy. Uh, seemed like he was a good leader. I never worked under him, but he seemed like he, he had a handle on things. And there is a story. I will encourage you to read up on him. There's a story about him in the 1983 U.S. invasion of Grenada, which inspired a scene in a film several years later. But I'm going to let you all do your own research on that. I knew nothing about it. But, uh, again, you know, former head of CENTCOM was involved, uh, you know, intimately in the early years of the Iraq War. So this will be, it'll be interesting to see. So uh, with that, I'm looking at the clock here. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back uh, shortly with our guests. So hang in there. If you want to keep up with the latest in veteran news away from the radio, stop by our website at www.theveteransreport.com. There you'll find news headlines along with links to media outlets around the world. You can also find links to every state's veteran services office. And for you film buffs, there's even a link to a war movie database. We appreciate you stopping by the Facebook page at facebook.com slash theveteransreport. There, like the website, you'll find the latest news and information related to veterans. And for you high-speed individuals who want to limit yourself to 140 characters, stop by our Twitter account. It's a great way to find information on veteran organizations throughout the country and what they're up to. You can tweet us by using at the Vets Report. If you'd like to email the show directly, please send us your input, comments, or suggestions to editor at the Veterans Report. 
www.veteransforgreatness.com. Thanks again for checking out our pages. Thanks for listening. And thank you for supporting our veterans community. And we are back on the Veterans Report. We have with us our guests today, Frank and Alex Stewart with Premier Body Armor. Gentlemen, how are you? Hey, we're doing great. Hey, James, we're doing awesome. This is Frank Stewart. Hey, Frank. Uh, now, Fra- Frank, you are the you're the president of Premier, correct? That is correct. And Alex, you're in operations. That's right. So this is a this is a family business. That is correct. Um, yeah. <laughs> so no, and that's great to hear because uh, you don't you rarely hear about those anymore. But uh, you know, father son businesses. Um, so if you guys could, I don't care who takes it. I mean, I, I will, Alex. You could probably defer to your dad on this one. But um, do me a favor, walk through sort of what is the background. I mean, obviously the name indicates what kind of business you guys are in. But what's sort of the background, the story of Premier? What? How did you start? When did you start? So we started uh, under a different name, doing something a little bit different. For 29 years, I owned a business. We were defense contractors. So we were in the life-saving business. We built MRAP, and they made TVs during the war in, in Iraq and Afghanistan. We had uh, 450 employees, 24-7, around the clock, building monster trucks save our war fighters. So about five years ago, you know, things started to change and we had a heck of an engineering staff and we started looking at the most exotic, the lightest materials that were uh, really ballistic materials. And that led us into this Premier Body Armor Venture uh that we have been working on now for for quite some time. <laughs> so now, are you are you completely out of the sort of the vehicle, the truck side of things? I am. Uh, we sold that business three and a half years ago. We actually, it's funny that we evolved from military vehicles to actually armoring, civil, you know, civilian civilian vehicles, NSCVs. For special operators, uh, so we would import Toyota Land Cruisers and Toyota Hiluxes from the Middle East here into North Carolina, and we would up armor them completely and deliver them back. Uh, so that was the last vehicle business that we were in. That's about three and a half years ago. So we have been dedicated completely to uh, hard and soft body armor for law enforcement and agency work. Now, where you, you said North Carolina. Where exactly in North Carolina are you located? We are 25 minutes out of Charlotte. Okay. Uh, we're in Kings Mountain, North Carolina. Okay, okay. So I, I assume that you uh, you have good relationships with all the folks in that area? Yes. You know, so we did a lot of business in Camp Lejeune and Fort Bragg uh, with a tag, with, you know, it was a, listen, it was the best time of our life was when we were building stuff for those guys. 
<laughs> did you have to go like so you would build the stuff when you're getting ready to ship it did you have to go over to uh, uh afghanistan and iraq and and sort of interact over there uh no actually the government had people at our facility stationed through the whole process so you know we were you know we built 268 vehicles in 11 months oh man and so we had people stationed there checking the vehicles off loading them in trucks, heading them to the airport, or, well, we don't know where, we're assumed, and they went straight, you know, back overseas. Uh, very interesting, actually. That's that's really cool, though. I didn't I didn't know about the vehicle side of things. That's an interesting uh, route for you to follow to get into this other side. That's, that's really neat. Yeah, you know, so it, it all evolved from the military side. You know, we had monster cutting equipment vending equipment and we actually had and i would brag on this probably the best armor package in business for these vehicles uh the least amount of welding the highest level of protection uh anyhow it it was great you know it was great while we were doing that uh we were able to save a lot of lives uh so you know that turned us on onto this other side of the business, more stateside. Uh, Ellie, you know, more than anything, Ellie and, uh, and some agency. So when you when you say Ellie, for people who don't know, that's law enforcement. I just want to <laughs> just want to yes. make that clear. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Um, so let's start. Let's start. Sort of. Uh, I don't know. Big picture. Um, what are some of what are some of the products you offer? It's not just body armor. I mean, I know you have a you have a pretty wide range of, of products. Um, so let's start big picture, and then I want to get into some of the newer stuff later. Yeah. So here I'll I'll, I'll end with this, and then Alex can interject. Uh, one of the things the things that put us on the on the map was we the U.S. Patent Office awarded us the patent on the multi-curvature, on the SAPI, e-SAPI multi-curvature for our steel plate. So we make the lightest, the thinnest, and the only multi-curve plate in the market. That was kind of our claim to fame, right? It's a level three NIJ certified, uh, you know, plus. You know, the plus part of it is just the addition of other uh, projectiles, uh, so that's kind of what started this thing, and then we went on to all the soft body armor for, you know, all the different levels and things like that. So uh, that's kind of our LE business, uh, you know, a lot of different vests are concealed in outerwear, SWAT vests, you know, all those. So we have a myriad of, uh, of a vests uh, that we offer. So you've got the vests. Um, what are some other unique uh, products that maybe people, when you know, when they think ballistic uh, protection, they think uh, they automatically think vest, right, or they think plates. But uh, there's some other stuff out there that's uh, it integrates that stuff. But and maybe not something that comes to mind. What are some of those? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, probably in the uh, maybe people have seen it in the news a little bit um, from different companies are these backpack panels that are becoming pretty popular. Um, it just makes sense uh, to be able to carry armor with you um, every day without it being a hassle at all. 
Uh, so, you know, one of these unique products is all the backpack panel. Basically, all it is is for us, it is our our same Kevlar, our same design that we put in our, our law enforcement products, um, just cut into the shape of a backpack. And, uh, you know, we throw it in a waterproof insert and then we put some nice heavy duty cordura on the outside. Um, basically, you just drop that in your bag and uh, use it as a tool uh, in, a, in a bad situation. You know, we, we don't think it's necessarily the solution for uh, violent situations, but it's definitely a tool that's going to take your EDC to the next level and uh, maybe get you out of a uh, bad situation a lot, a lot more safe than if you do So... So with the and I'm glad you said that because it's not I think too often people look at something like this and they think oh well it's it's akin to putting up a brick wall I'll be fine but to your point it's just to allow you some space and time to to maybe get out of there safely uh, and not linger but at least survive the initial whatever it is yeah exactly and you know these these things are they're kids they approve they weigh less than a pound they can pretty much go anywhere with you. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things we like to, we like to say is that this is an evolution in EDC. Um, and if you think about it, you know, for guys who, for, for men and women, both who carry a weapon each day and they have training and they plan on responding to the situations of threat, uh, typically if they have to pull their firearm, it's because there's probably another firearm in play that's pointing at them, um, or in their direction. So, you're, you're at a major advantage in those situations if you have armor with you, and not to mention when it, when it doesn't even encumber your day. Uh, so the Backpack Channel is definitely uh, an interesting and unique product uh, that we've seen a lot of rise in popularity. Uh, we've partnered with, with, like, with companies like Vertex and 511 and Max Edition and a few others to, to make custom-fitted panels to go in those bags just so that you notice them even less throughout the day. So, and you mentioned that these things weigh less than a pound, right? So, uh, is there, are there, um, and if you're going to places like 511, I don't, I don't think of third graders. I think of, you know, guys like us, but are there, could it, could a kid conceivably use one of these backpacks? Yeah, of course. And, and for us, it's not even a ballistic backpack per se. It's just a, just an individual panel that you can slot into any backpack. Oh, Okay. Yeah, and so we have them in sizes. You know, we have 50 SKUs, something like that, um, of different shapes and different sizes. And, of course, the weight's going to vary, but on average, you're talking only a pound uh, for one of these panels. So, yeah, it's really, really thin, really flexible, really easy for uh, anybody, including uh, younger kids, to carry with them daily. So, I mean, it doesn't weigh that much more than, like, a, a you know, a history book or something. Yeah, exactly. That's great. So you have some, uh, you alluded to, and we talked, you, you alluded to some new products that you have coming up. I don't know how many you can actually roll out right now or talk about, but um, anything new as far as uh, unique items? Yeah, so we we do have one that we just released um, maybe, what, two weeks ago, maybe right. something like that. Um, we want to take the idea of a backpack, or backpack, sorry, the idea of having armor with you on a daily basis in a discreet way and offer that to people in a different in a different package, a really functional package. Uh, and so we came out with our uh, armored laptop case. 
it's a it's a really really ultra discreet, um, really ultra discreet, just regular looking laptop case that has level three A ballistic capabilities. A laptop case. <laughs> so, so no matter what, you're going to be able to get on Facebook or Instagram, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So now these are so these are available uh, going online. People can order these, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. okay. Yeah, on our website, com. <clears throat> so now you have mentioned a couple of times, and this is for folks, you know, just regular. Maybe folks don't know a lot about the technical side of, of you know, ballistic uh, armor or body armor. Um, you've mentioned level one. You've mentioned level three. So when you're talking about uh, body armor or uh, any really any kind of protective items or products, is there some kind of a, an official or federal rating system or, or a certifying agency so – you know, consumers know what to look for. Like, you know, when I go out and I buy, like, whatever, I'll pick something, a lawnmower. If there's the, you know, uh, whatever the rating agency is, if that's on there versus a lawnmower that doesn't have it, chances are the one that does have it's been reviewed, right, and it's been vetted. So is there some kind of similar system in place for, for what you guys sell? Yes. Um, the National Institute of Justice, you know, best known as NIJ, they are the authority in actually compliant armor, right? So if you want to certify your armor, you send it to a third-party approved lab, and the guys in the NIJ office actually write the protocol for approval. So in most body armor companies, you know, you, you know they actually have to certify this stuff, uh, I definitely would not buy anything that was not NIJ certified or compliant. Uh, so, and they also they the agency determines the level. So we mentioned a level three A, a handgun protection, forty four magnum, fifty percent sig, all the way down. When a level two is going to protect you from a 3576 down, except the 44 Magnum. So they do have, you know, these different uh, ratings. Uh, and, you know, they all offer a different, you know, for the most part, a uh, different level of protection. Okay, because I, I do think that's important when people are shopping around to be able to know, you know, they definitely have a need in mind, right? They have a specific need or or a, or a person in mind, and uh, they want to be able to winnow that down to to meeting that need. So I think that's important to have that on there. Um, so now, speaking of that, right? In addition to the rating system, which is very specific, and in addition to the items, which are very specific, what do people? What should people look for if? you know, going out and buying body armor? I mean, aside from, you know, common sense, a good fit. But, I mean, what else should people look for? What are some of the some of the features? Yeah, James, definitely one of the things is made in the USA. The idea of buying something that's supposed to save your life made in a foreign country and you really don't know all the, the quality procedures and things uh, we make 
100% of our body armor in our factory in Miami. We have eyes on our product. So definitely, uh, and there is a lot of body armor made in the USA. That that should be a, a number one thing, you know, besides comfort, the certification piece. It's a made-in-the-USA product. Uh, it really, there is something to be said about that. Uh, I don't know, Alex, anything? Yeah, I guess one of the nuances, not trying to go backwards in the conversation uh, too much, uh, with the NIJ certification, uh, you'll see a lot on, um, on websites or on advertisements. Uh, it'll say, you know, tested to the NIJ standard. Um, that kind of thing. There's a lot of nuances here that people don't talk about very much, uh, but there's a significant difference between NIJ certified and then someone who just claims to have tested Armor 2 in NIJ standard. Uh, because when, when something is certified, it means it's been tested by a third-party lab uh, and through a very, very stringent process uh, of that en- encompasses a lot more than just shooting the ballistic uh, item. So... That's definitely something for people to look into whenever they go to purchase armor. There's a lot of research that needs to be done in looking into the NIJ standard, looking into uh, where the armor is being produced. Um, and then, of course, you know, how's it going to fit? Is it going to be comfortable? Uh, there's a lot of different uses of armor, whether it's a, uh, a discrete use or a tactical use. Uh, those are definitely some considerations to make. Well, so you're you're saying that there's some wordsmithing going on when, when people are rolling <laughs> these things out to their websites, right? Yeah, for sure, definitely. You know, people will take the armor in their backyard and they pull a gun and they shoot it five times, six times. Hey, we're compliant. Well, you know, I think more people understand that. I think uh, your veteran population, your law enforcement population, they have had armor of some sort. They're smart. They do their research, and so you know. And there's a lot of research. There's a lot of uh, information on the internet that uh, you know. We we post a lot of stuff, and even our competitors they post a lot of stuff uh, that is educational pieces. You know, frequently asked questions uh, that you can kind of educate yourself. You know, before you actually make the purchase. So let, let me ask. Let me ask the. Let me ask the question because uh, again, it's getting close to Christmas, and this is this is probably at the forefront of everybody's mind when they're shopping, uh, especially if they're shopping for a mother-in-law. What cost uh, should? Be, let me back out of that. Should people shop by cost or price? And not necessarily. Not for this. I mean, for you know, if you're if you're if you're purchasing. Uh, a purse for that mother-in-law, uh, that might be something that you consider more as the cost. <laughs> but you're thinking about something like uh, body armor that you are you're investing your money in, in with an expectation of that piece of armor performing and, and possibly saving your life if it has to. Uh, the quality has to be number one. Uh, and that's why we stress it so much on our website and in any publication that we have. Um, just you know, our, our hands-on approach, our, our custom-fitted products, uh, we do everything we can to ensure that this product is going to perform uh, in a situation where it has to. 
So, so Jay, so cost. You think of cost. Uh, you know, it's really, truly, one would think that body armor is super expensive. And it's not, you know. Uh, I can give you an example. Uh, our backpack panels, you know, that's something that a lot of civilians would purchase. It costs somewhere around $125, $150. The largest panel that we have for the largest bag is like 225 bucks. So it's not a totally out of the question, you know, uh, uh, expensive product. Five-year warranty. I mean, you once you buy it one time, man, you really truly are not going to replace it for a very long time. Well, sure, uh, sure. I mean, this is the same. This is the same crowd. This is the same consumer group uh, that doesn't blink when they're going out and spending six, seven, eight hundred dollars on uh, a new handgun. Correct, or a thousand dollars on a new iPhone, <laughs> <laughs> or that. Yes, which which will definitely not save you in a uh, a gun battle. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So, no. I mean, you know, it's it's definitely. I mean, the market is very competitive. And competition is great, you know. Competition uh, helps a consumer, you know, gives you choices and makes you be priced right, you know. Uh, and we certainly feel like we are at the forefront of that, uh, uh, you know. Well, I, I was going to say, speaking of uh, speaking of advances and being at the forefront, and this is sort of a general thing, but I, I've noticed that with with your products. Body armor has evolved to such a degree over the last, oh, 10, 15 years that it's, I mean, it's at the point now where you can, you can be armored, uh, in essence, or protected, and people don't see it. Like, you can just put on a suit or regular clothes, and people are not going to notice. Um, I mean, is that, is 10 to 15 years about right, or has it been a lot longer than that? Or maybe it's been shorter than that? It's been shorter than that. Uh, the, with the advances of, like, the soft body armor. Kevlar, you know, DuPont makes a great product. Uh, you know, most everybody use it, uses it. Uh, we have a product called an executive vest, give an example. Uh, you can actually wear it under your shirt. You know, put your regular shirt on, put a tie on, put a sport coat on. And nobody will ever know that you had a vest on. It feels like a T-shirt, and, you know, it'll stop all your handgun rounds. Uh, very popular among professionals uh, for us. Uh, you know, so, but those advances didn't exist 10 years ago. 10 years ago, man, you're carrying heavy stuff. Probably some of your, some of your followers probably can attest to that. Those that have, been, have served in the past, they were issued some really... Heavy stuff, man. <laughs> you know, the new guys, they have it a lot better because the armor is a lot lighter and, uh, you know, less bulky. You know, so it's it definitely has been a huge advances in this market. Oh, I, I can remember the old stuff that was handed down uh, that had the ceramic plates in it. And then, uh, there you, go. you know, and then the, the the IBA stuff where it weighed, it felt, it felt like it weighed 100 pounds. I know it wasn't close to it, but it felt that way because it was bulky and, <laughs> oh, man, yeah, painful. Yeah, so that's you know, so there has definitely been uh, some huge advances uh, in that. Uh, uh. Hey, James, I'll tell you one thing that uh, I had I had written down a couple of notes. Uh, 
work for the law enforcement world, police departments, we have a partnership with a company called Flying Cross. Over a 100-year-old company, they own 25% of the market in uniforms. So a lot of, you know, so 25% of the departments in the country use Flying Cross, right? Uh, and something new to the market, uh, we're actually making a uniform carrier that utilizes the same material that the uniform shirt and pants do. So now you have a 100% match. Whereas in the past, we have also made the same carriers trying to match a nylon with a, you know, poly cotton or a poly wool. And oh my gosh, you know, so police departments, man, you know, they want their officers to look sharp everything to match so this is something new for 2019 that uh you know those folks that use flying cross will end up getting a heck of a benefit from this that's just something new so uh if if any law enforcement is listening out there um now you guys offer do you offer any kind of deals or discounts for law enforcement yes on our website we do okay so if somebody's so uh, I mean, they know what the certification process is on that, but if any law enforcement is out there listening, um, you get a discount on the stuff, so check it out. <laughs> so in addition to that, do you have any, uh, do you have any other products that are, that are rolling out in 2019? I'm sure we're going to come up with some good stuff. Um, we don't have anything specific in mind right now uh, that we can talk about on air, uh, but we are excited about the laptop case. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of basically uh, a 2019 product because it's only been uh, kind of on a soft release uh, lately. Uh, but, you know, we have some other stuff also that's already available uh, that we're going to push um, harder in 2019, uh, some, some school-related products for student safety. Um, and then, you know, probably our one of the things we're most excited about going into 2019 is some new relationships that we have. Um, with with some great people in, in this industry, um, a lot of we're talking to a lot of guys and ladies for our, for our new ambassador program. Uh, just, you know, we're just trying to make connections. We're trying to bring people together. We're trying to create the best product and get it into uh, the most hands that we can because we think these guys deserve it. No, absolutely, and you're and you're right about the laptop case. That is so new that uh, that that is a that is more or less a 2019 product. Um, so I'm I'm glad that you could uh, I'm glad you could talk about it because it's that's that's an interesting twist on it, and people don't you know that's something that a lot of people carry with them anyway. They're going to have a case with them anyway, uh, traveling or going back and forth to work or whatever. So it just makes sense to have one that has armor in it. Yeah, you know TSA. You think of a lot of people travel, right? You go to the airport. And you see probably nine out of ten people have a backpack. And I always think, man, how cool. Our ballistic panel is TSA approved. When they might make you take your laptop or your, you know, your telephone and lay it on a bin, you don't have to take this out. This goes right through with your backpack, you know. It's a, it's a pretty cool thing. Uh, hey, James, you know, mentioning new products, uh, really, it's, it's relatively new product to us. We designed it. Uh, it's a three-ring binder. I don't know if you, if you look at our website. Uh, uh, it's a ballistic 
blue ring binder cover. So it's 21 inches long. You know, God forbid, man, it's a shooting in a school and your student, whether it's in college or in high school, anywhere, has this three ring binder on them. It has a, a, just a handle. You pull it, you put it right over your head, and now you have a complete shield in, in you know, front of your body, right? You know, the idea is it gives you a chance to get out. It gives you a chance that in the event you get that one shot, man, you're going to live. You have some protection that you're going to live. So that is something we launched uh, in the summer, and, uh, man, the reception was incredible. Uh, you know, we're living in that world. You know, you either give yourself a chance or you take a chance. Well, and, and it's, you know, it's one of those cases where you, you don't want to normalize the, tragi- the, the, the tragic side of things or the, the evil side of things, but if you're going to, you might as well be able to, to, to live a regular life. So, um, so yeah, you, you guys are doing a bang-up job, and you're offering some great products. What's, what's your website real quick? Uh, PremierBodyArmor.com. Fantastic. And we encourage everybody listening to check it out, especially if you are uh, law enforcement uh, and you have a need for some of this stuff. You can get Christmas gifts, and you can get school supplies there, too, to, to keep your kids safe. Uh, Alex and Frank, I really appreciate you coming on today and hope to have you back next year to, to give us an update. Good deal, James. Thank you very much, man. We're honored to be your guest. Well, all right, guys. Take care. Thank you, sir. Bye. That was Alex and Frank Stewart with Premier Body Armor out of North Carolina. Go check out their website, do some Christmas shopping, and, and tell them you said hello. And that will do it for this episode of the Veterans Report. Until next time, I'm your host, Jim Cannon. You've been listening to the Veterans Report. Let others know about the show. You can find us online at theveteransreport.com. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to editor at theveteransreport.com. Join us again at the same time for up-to-date veterans news and information. The Veterans Report. Thank you for your service and carry on. The Veterans Report has been sponsored by James Cannon.